Amen. What a great lead-in to the passage that we've been uh, having before us all week at Philippians 4, chapter 4. Let's uh, um, say that uh, together. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. For me this uh, week, it's been... It just is, is amazing how God takes the passage each week and applies it to just uh, where um, I need to hear it. And for this week, with all the new things coming down, I'm sure you, if you weren't aware, you would have at least noticed the, the new bulletin and the, the work that uh, folks have been doing to, to pull that together. And then if you look at the hot off the press, you notice the new classes that are in the uh, foundational hour for adults. And you may have noticed as well, maybe a few more children um, hanging out with us um, now and even those that just uh, left for their own time of of children in, in worship, worshiping God in a way that's appropriate for them. Well, you can imagine when you make different changes like this, that there's a lot of detail that has to be thought, balls that get dropped. Matter of fact, somebody yesterday was asking me, well, what are you excited about tomorrow? And I'm like, well, I'm excited to figure out the things we forgot to think about. And, uh, and so there have been nice arguments and disagreements and the tension was being raised during this time of trying to pull all this together. And even you'll even, if you go on the website, notice a, a new look for the website also. And so in the middle of that tension and those arguments that, and as it poured over in other places, it was great just to have the Lord bring this passage back. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And how that simple act helped bring me to say, wait a minute, this isn't about getting all the details right so that every jot and tittle's right. This is, this is to celebrate that there are almost 200 people signed up for the, the classes in the middle hour. And what the Lord brought across my path this week, another reminder of the the truth that the way adults grow in Christ is in small experiences around the Word together. Another research search institute came up with that finding in their work for the church to fulfill its purpose of making disciples the most important thing we do for adult discipleship is to gather in small groups around the Scripture and to interact with each other. And that's exactly what the plan is and what we pray the Lord will overflow in His fruitfulness um, in us through that. And the other thing that we know, this has been known for years, the the way for children, the, the, the most significant experience for children so that they stay in the faith is that they worship with their family. That's been known for 40 years. And and so how the children can be connected with their family in some way in a worshipful setting. And so as I was rejoicing in the Lord, He brought to mind to say, no, this isn't about all the details of trying to figure out. These are all, look at all the things that I'm doing in and through 
this, these changes that might be causing so much headache and trouble. So rejoice in me. So I hope you also have had similar experiences this week of letting that passage be used by the Lord to bring to mind to you how you rejoice in Him. And today, Philippians 4, starting with verse 10, Paul now summarizes it all about this finding joy at every turn. He, he summarizes it all with a secret. Now here, here he tells us is a secret that he has learned, the secret that he's found. And he's really brilliant here, because you know, anytime you, you tell a, a secret and you start to whisper, then you everybody listens a little harder because they want to know the secret. So here, he gives to us the secret that he's learned in finding joy at every turn. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your written word. And we ask your spirit would speak to us Open our eyes and hearts to hear from you so that we might continue to be changed, transformed, to being more and more like Christ. His name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 10. It's found on page 955 in your pew Bible. I invite you to, to turn there. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed, and of going hungry, of having plenty, and of being in need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's three words. Three key words. If you have your Bible, you want to circle them, at least in this translation. Three key words here. First is learning, second is contentment, and then the third is the secret. What, what Paul, here it is, this is the apostle of apostles. This is the one who saw Jesus, who had a personal training with Jesus face to face after his resurrection in his appearance to him and spent years training with the disciples, years in the wilderness with the Spirit. And here he tells us that at this point, remember he's in jail here, he's toward the end of his life, he tells us what he's learned. The key point here is that he was learning. That we are learning. That Paul recognized he hadn't arrived. As we've been talking, as we've been walking through Philippians, the, the key point that, that he makes here, that God's purpose for us is to be leading us into the direction of Christ-likeness. 
That we, we never arrive, we never get there, but that is our direction. And just like the Apostle Paul, we are always learning. There's always space, room for us to grow and to be changed. And that, above all else, is God's purpose in me and in you. It's not like our conversion where we are out of Christ and in Christ and that that we are are given all the, the, the treasures of heaven in that moment. That process of living out our salvation, which Paul said, you know, live out your salvation with fear and trembling. That process is one in which we then are in a, as a learner or as we call it in the church, a disciple. It's really what the word, same word here for, for learning. It's disciple. We are learning the ways of God, learning to be more Christ-like. Paul was learning. Now, each person starts at a different point in time and each person has a, a di- is in a different place in the journey. So we're, we, we can't compare ourselves to one another. We have uh, different gifts and abilities, but we're all in the same direction. We have not arrived, just like Paul has. And for some of us, that's really important to recognize, those of us who are stuck, who are dissatisfied in our Christian life, I believe we're there because we've forgotten that God is still at work in us, teaching us, leading us, changing us, doing the hard work of transforming us. And we get stuck because we forget that's the direction. We get stuck because we get focused on ourselves, our own satisfaction, our own happiness. Instead of remembering that's not God's purpose. God's purpose in us is to teach us, is to lead us in this direction of, for us to learn to be more and more like Christ. And then some are on the other side feeling guilty and overwhelmed. Guilty and overwhelmed because you feel like you ought to be there. You, know, you, you, you should be there. You, you ought to be there. Well, as a nun once told me, don't should on yourself. Let it, let it go. Now, yeah, we are on a journey. We aren't where we're supposed to be. That's a given. And when we're overwhelmed with guilt, when we're overwhelmed with, with shame, that knocks us off the path. Again, it's sort of the same thing as being stuck, just from the other direction. It gets focused on self instead of focused on Jesus. And as we focus on His grace and mercy, as we do every time that we gather, we aren't overwhelmed with that shame and guilt. And we recognize we are are students who are learning. And what we're learning, Paul tells us, we are learning contentment. Now, this is a a secret word in the the religious language of the day. Uh, uh, This this secret language of, of contentment. And the way to translate it ought to be a little uncomfortable to us. The best way to translate it is self-sufficient. I have learned, Paul says, to be self-sufficient. 
Now, now what he's doing is he's using the words of the day. It's sort of like what Paul's doing. Is, it's like an infomercial. Using the language of infomercials. You know, the ones that say, here's the secret to losing all the weight you want. It's in grapefruits. You know, eat grapefruits at every meal. You know, here, or here's the secret. This is what you want to invest in. You know, invest in plastics. Because that is the secret to be rich. The church does the same thing. You know, here, read this book right here. This is the secret for a happy life. Or this is the secret for church growth. Or a conference that will do the same thing. And that's what this word contentment really means self-sufficiency. This is how you can be freed from having to depend on anything or anyone else. You will be totally sufficient no matter what the situation I mean, it's a turn of a phrase that Paul is using. And then he uses one more word, that word secret. Again, that's used in religious language of the day. This is the, the secret knowledge. This is the initiation rite. You know, this is the practice that, where you, you come in, you get just the right information, you learn the Jesus' secret handshake, and this will free you up for all the happiness that you need. Here is the secret handshake. Then the drum roll. Thank you very much. I am self-sufficient, Paul says. I am strong. I can make it through any circumstance independently as long as I am totally dependent on Christ flips it on his head, writes at the end. Same thing Jesus does. You want a happy life? Give your life away. Stop trying to find your life. If you, if you are seeking finding your life, you'll never find it. You want to find your life? Then lose it. It's the same thing Jesus says in, in John chapter 15, you know, the, the, the vine, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the same thing that Paul says. This is the secret that we've learned as we've walked through Philippians. That we can be content if we are dependent. Totally dependent on the power of Jesus. Now, in a simple way, that's what they learn and practice every summer at swim ministry. This is their verse. Philippians 4.13. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so I asked uh, Sam, who helps uh, oversee that ministry, give me somebody that can just come share us a story and lead us in memorizing that verse. And so Teresa Rader has uh, uh, agreed to come just share a little story from the swim ministry and help us memorize, learn their verse. Teresa. I'd feel a little bit more comfortable if I could sing this, but it was (laughs) kind of hard to put all this to words. When uh, my daughter Carmen was a little girl and Carrie was an infant, we had our first exposure to the swim ministry. And after that first year, 
I honestly could not wait until Carrie could take swim lessons. And the reason why I felt this way is because for one hour, my girls could be taking lessons and I could be sitting by the side of the pool with the sun and I could be drinking my iced coffee mocha and I could be reading a book. And I couldn't wait. And that day finally came and both the girls were swimming and I was sitting at the side of the pool. I had my iced coffee mocha in one hand, I had my good book in the other hand and it was great. It was great. The second, the first day was fabulous. The second day was hot. And the third day, I sat there thinking, why in the world am I sweating at the side of this pool and all of these kids are in the pool and cool? Well, that's when God said to me, get in the game and jump into the pool. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to do this swim ministry thing. It sounds like fun. I like to work with children. And I'll tell you, that first year, I started learning all of these ins and outs of the swim ministry. And I'll tell you one thing. It is one organized program. You have got forms, administration forms that are all in perfect order. You have... Um, you have all these students who you know when they pass this level, when they've done this, how long they've been in the ministry, and such organization of everything and how everything was so well thought out. And I'll tell you, this type J personality was pretty happy. And then to top it all off, Philippians 413. The book of Philippians is my favorite book. I don't think there's a word in that book that I haven't looked at, underlined, or made some reference to. So my first year went great, and I was looking forward to repeating it again the next year. But God well, 10 days prior to swim ministry this year, my family and I were in Tennessee on a family missions trip. There were no perfect forms. We had to keep nine elementary kids on task and not bored. There were additional trips to Home Depot, to Walmart. It was 98 to 105 degrees every day. The kids were getting to bed way too late. The parents were getting to bed much later. The air mattress Leo and I slept on deflated at 4 o'clock in the morning. And there were no morning showers. Again, but God. By the time we came home... I still felt like I was in the mountaintops of Tennessee. By Sunday, the day before swim ministry, I felt physically exhausted. And I had nothing organized for the week that was ahead of me. 
In prayer, I told God, how am I going to make it through this week? Well, I turned it over to him, and I made it through my first day. During the 9 o'clock hour of lessons, I was a one-on-one swim instructor for a little boy, and his name was Aiden. Aiden did not want to be with me. Aiden wanted his mom. He cried and he clung. And I found out about halfway through the week that Aiden enjoyed being with a little 10-year-old girl that was in his neighborhood. And guess what? He enjoyed being around my 10-year-old girl as well as my seven-year-old girl, Carrie. The next day, my two daughters jumped into the pool with Aiden and me. And while the attention was taken off of me, there was God. I love the verse that we learn. And we even have hand motions to do it. And I know that there are a few people here from Swim Ministries I would love for them to come forward and help me with this verse. So if you participated in the past in swim ministries and you know this verse, come on up. We're going to teach the congregation our verse. Philippians 4.13 I can do anything God wants me to do by the power that he gives me to do it. <laughs> thank you, Teresa. Thank, and thank you, Swim Ministry. And that is a perfect, perfect translation of that passage, especially the part we are able to do anything and everything God wants us to do through His power in us. And as He is at work changing us to be more and more like Jesus, He gives us the power to do that. As we seek to be more loving... He gives us the power to be loving because He is love. As we seek to be more righteous, He gives us the power 
to be more righteous because He is righteous. So this, this week, this is the secret. This is the secret of His work in us. I can do all things that He wants me to do through the power that He gives us. Amen.